Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. One of my favorite scenes in all of literature comes early in the Lord of the Rings saga in the Fellowship of the Ring, where this character Frodo has just learned some terrible news that this ring that he has inherited is actually uh, an expression of this dark evil power that is on the rise in the world. And he's learning about this from his friend Gandalf. And Frodo says, I wish it need not happened in my time. All right, right. He's saying, well, I wish this wouldn't happen to me. I wish this wouldn't have happened in my world, in my life, in my time. And that's where I think a lot of Christians, maybe even today in the United States of America, can identify with that. We look at things, maybe even over the last couple years, and you look at different events, you look at just the downward uh, trend of our society, and you find yourself saying, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And then Gandalf responds to his hobbit friend Frodo and says, So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And so as you consider this, I want you to be encouraged today, not as we look some literary example, but now as we get into the Bible and as we get into the book of Esther, Esther uh, chapters one through four. And if you find yourself, even this Christmas season, looking out at the world saying, man, I wish it didn't have to be this way in my time, I want your perspective to be changed from saying that to saying, well, perhaps God has put me in the world for such a time as this. I think it's critical for Christians um, while we do mourn and we clearly uh, all who live to see such times, we don't relish the darkness of the times, but we do say, well, this is where I am and I need to decide what to do with this time. I need to be faithful to God in this time and understand that in his sovereignty, in his providence, he has put me in the world now, not at any other time. And so I want to make the most of that for him. I hope we can go from saying, I wish I this hadn't happened in my time to uh, for such a time as this. God has placed me into the world. And that's what we see. We'll even see that line today in the book of Esther. Now, Esther is a very interesting book. Um, It's famously known for it does not mention God, and that gets people to scratch their heads and say, well, what's going on here? Even I've heard different teachers kind of take different positions on Esther and Mordecai. Um, Some praise them as 
these great examples of faith. And some say, eh, you know, they, they weren't actually doing a lot of things that they were supposed to do. And I don't know how faithful they really were to the Lord. And God isn't even mentioned in anything that they say. I've heard people take different perspectives. I, and, and some of it is inconclusive just based on what the text says, but I would lean towards, well, this is a book in the Bible. God wanted us to have this. God wanted us to, to study this. Uh, God wants us to learn from this. And there are examples of God's providence all over this book. And I do think today we will see an example of faith in God, uh, even though it may not be explicitly mentioned. I think why else would it be in the Bible uh, if if it were not for this example? So let's get into the story. Uh, chapter one, you see the king, Ahasuerus, and he basically kicks out his wife, Vashti, from being the queen. Now, th- there is certainly some sliminess to the context of the book of Esther. Um, you see that, I mean, King Ahasuerus, that's not what a godly husband would do. Uh, Vashti refusing to do what her husband asked, that's not what a godly wife would do. So not exactly a great example of marriage in chapter one, and not a great example of how to find a wife in chapter number two, uh, because there's this whole process uh, process, uh, where the king picks a new queen. And Esther, this young Jewish woman, is uh, taken in to this process. And she uh, becomes one of the candidates, right? And so she gets taken into the king's harem and they go through this process. It talks about of one year long for uh, their preparation. It says in verse 12 that it was 12 months under the regulations for the women since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil and myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women. So um, men, if you think your wife takes a long time to do her makeup, at least she doesn't take a whole year to do it. Um, that's kind of a wild scene, clearly a different time. But then you see, this isn't just a beauty pageant. There's some darkness to this. One by one, these women are taken into uh, to spend a night with the king and then sent into his other harem, not for the virgins, but for the concubines. And so as you see that, you realize this is not a great scene, but Esther wins the competition. She pleases the king and becomes the queen. Uh, And then in chapter three, we get into one of these moments where Haman starts to not like Mordecai and therefore comes up with this plan to murder the Jews. And that's where it's interesting. This is where the debate comes in. Why doesn't Mordecai bow to Haman? And it says in verse four, um, It says, and when they spoke to him day after day and he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand for he had told them that he was a Jew. Um, And, you know, they had asked Mordecai, why don't you bow? And Mordecai doesn't really say, but they have the information that he's Jewish. So then the question arises, well, why is Mordecai not bowing? Is this principle or is this 
personal, right? Is he principal? Because in this bowing, there is uh, something that would force him to compromise, really uh, a biblical directive. Even in many pagan cultures, sometimes this bowing had some kind of honor to a, a false god or honoring someone as a false god. Was it principle that Mordecai didn't bow or was it just personal that, that Mordecai was stubborn and didn't like Haman and didn't want to show him that respect? And that's why I don't think the text is clear because it doesn't necessarily say he was a Jew was the reason why, although that's possible. But that's where, again, I would lean more towards, I think it's principle. I think Mordecai is seeking to do what is right. And then we get into chapter four, where there's this scene where Esther, as the queen, Mordecai wants her to help. But the problem is if you go into the king and he doesn't hold out the golden scepter to you, you're, you're a dead person. And so this is a risky situation for Esther uh, and Mordecai talking to Esther, uh, he says in verse 13 do, of chapter 4, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat and drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And that's where I hear, despite some that may say otherwise, I think this is an example of faith. And even what was generally the purpose of fasting? Uh, to seek the Lord, to pray. And even though it might not say the word, seek the Lord or pray, I think that's what's going on here. Uh, they are seeking God. And Esther is giving an example of faith. If I perish, I perish. I'm going to step out and do what I know to be right. And if I perish, I perish. And so I hope this example fills us with faith and confidence. We're going to see how God works this out in the coming days. But I hope that we will be people that look at the times around us and don't say, oh man, this is so bad. I wish this wasn't happening in my lifetime. To people that say, hey, God put me here now and I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to honor him with my words. I'm going to honor him with my life. And if I perish, I perish. Uh, And that actually kind of connects with what we're seeing in Revelation 14, uh, where there's a big contrast, I think, in this chapter. It starts off with the lamb and the 144,000 who we saw earlier. And then you also see in these three messages from the angels that there's a strong warning against those who worship the beast and its image and receive the mark on his forehead or hand. And I think you see those that follow the lamb, look how things end for them. Those that follow the beast, look how things end for them. And the chapter ends with this harvest, a harvest of judgment. And it talks about the blood uh, being as high as a horse's bridle. And that's where I think even when we come back to Esther and we come back to our own times, are, are you going to follow the lamb or are you going to follow the world? That's going to be, there's going to be a lot of pressure. 
in making some of those choices. Will you follow the lamb or will you follow the world? But here we need to see clearly what the end is. And we need to say, you know what? I'm going to follow the lamb. And if I perish, I perish. So I hope these readings today encourage you. I hope they fill you even with a sense of purpose and optimism for the time that you are alive, that God has placed you right now to follow him and to serve him. And I hope these motivate you to do that faithfully as you continue to seek the Lord. And again, I'm excited about the future of revival from the Bible. Again, we're going to start a new reading plan in January. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to find it on the website or you'll be able to pick up cards at our church on Sunday, January 1st. The reading plan will begin on January 2nd, the first Monday of the year. And we'll be reading through the Bible again next year with a little different reading plan each day from the New Testament. We'll read straight through the New Testament and the Old Testament. We're going to read through it uh, with the divisions that Jesus even referred to of the law, the prophets, and the writings, all the same material, just organized a little more probably like it would have been uh, in the Hebrew mindset in the time of Christ. I'm excited to do that. And next year, the podcast will focus only on the New Testament, the following year only on the Old Testament. So we'll try to build a library that really touches uh, every passage as we go through the Bible over the next two years. So I'm excited to finish this year. I'm excited to start next year to continue seeing what God has in store for us as we dig into the scriptures and study them together. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.